Hey, everybody, this is Christian Brindle, president and founder of Christian Brindle Insurance Services, an agency specializing in Medicare health plans, as well as the founder and admin of the Six Figure Medicare Agent Facebook community. And I am Glenn Shelton, founder and president of Lead Heroes, where we specialize in final expense and Medicare insurance leads. Every single Tuesday, guys, we have decided to come together and bring our forces together to talk about our two favorite subjects in the world, insurance and tacos. Henceforth, Taco Tuesday, let's taco about insurance. Every single Tuesday, we will live stream this show for the group Six Figure Medicare Agent at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. It can also be found everywhere that podcasts can be listened to, or you could watch the replay of the video up on our YouTube channel for the Six Figure Medicare Agent YouTube channel. Thanks so much for watching. Hope you enjoy, and let's get into this. Hey, all these whiteies. Taquitos are, um, I mean, what's inside of yours? Was it just chicken? It's uh, shredded beef. Shredded beef? Okay. I mean, here's a joke I always say, right? Because being that I'm Mexican, people ask, hey, What's inside of a taco? Well, it's it's going to be rice, beans, meat, tia. Okay, great. Well, what's inside of a enchilada? Well, it's normally going to be beef, cheese, meat, tortilla. Okay, well, what's inside of a what's on what's on tostada? Well, it's beef, <laughs> meat, <laughs> beans, <All right>. tortilla. <laughs> we are live. I didn't realize that we were live, but we are live. Awesome. Uh, do, Eric, have you listened to John Jay and Rich? I'm sure being in the Valley, right? John Jay and Rich. I used to listen to him. Yeah. Yeah. I used to as well. But they had uh, Machaca Mondays and Machaca, I guess, is like a Mexican burrito with like all sorts. It's like you take everything, all the leftovers or whatever, and you just have like all of it. It's like a random burrito. The Machaca, machaca is, it's, it's a good, I like, I prefer it, prefer it, prefer it for breakfast time. That's when Machaca is normally good because it's normally eggs is diced in there with um, different bell peppers and onions and stuff like that. But the shredded beef is normally a good texture. Uh, wrap it in a burrito. tastes amazing. I, I, I normally like to eat it, just the meat on the side and grab, eat it together. But um, big fan of Machaca. Hands down, what I miss most about Arizona is the Mexican food. So I moved, I'm in the Northwest. I'm in Oregon, Washington area. Uh-huh. And there's a couple of places I found where it's like somewhat comparable. But I mean, dude, Arizona, hands down, has, I mean, according to the Texas folks, the Texas has the best Mexican food, Tex-Mex. But I, I'm, a, yeah, I believe Arizona, if I had to vote, I would think Arizona actually has better Mexican food than Texas. Yeah. So, Sorry yeah. for all those Texas agents who might be hearing this. But. Well, ultimately, and look, I, 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 I get that a lot of people have their own taste when it comes to Mexican food, but the best way to really know how authentic something tastes is if you've frequented different areas of Mexico where you can actually go taste True. what it's made like over there. Um, I think growing up, one of my favorite experiences, and really one of the things that humbles me so much and makes me feel in the United States is that because my my father immigrated from Mexico, my mother immigrated from El Salvador. Um, when I when I was around fifteen, my dad started taking me back to, um, and this was after my parents divorced, so I had to spend like one week with him, one week with my mom. So um, we went back to visit his family in 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 Mexico where he grew up, and back then, at fi- fifteen years old, you know, I'm like, geez, this is going to be boring as hell. 
And so we head out there. There's, it seemed like there was absolutely nothing to do because where we stayed with my aunt, no electricity, no air conditioning, no heater. Um, it's like, it's, it's like going back in time. The, the roads were paved, paved uh, with dirt. It's not, it's not like, you know, gravel roads that we're used to now and asphalt, yeah, it's crazy. just all dirt. And, um, and they were still riding around on horses a lot of the times. And it was just, it was so <laughs> surreal. Like, I'm just like, yeah. wow, this is amazing. But the crazy thing is because I had to kind of immerse myself in that for a while. Uh, Cause I think I ended up being down there for two weeks. A, I went out and made friends friends they start teaching you their culture the ways not that it's like there it's my culture too my family's been raising me in that culture but to go to the source and really experience that and see how humble they are where you have you know my friends would work their tails off and even because I still keep in touch with them they they work at some tortilla factory still making um you know work working a full day labor and making eight bucks eight bucks a day they make a dollar an hour and and you hear about these stories and you see how they're still able to somehow find joy and happiness and it really just, it throws me back sometimes because I do see, I see how so many Hispanics are obviously trying to still get to the United States. They see a, an opportunity for a better life. And then I see the people who are in the United States who are acting like the U.S. is the worst place to be. And I'm just always wondering, like, have you, have you been yeah. to these places? Like, do you, do yep. you know what it's like outside of the U.S.? It's, it's kind of crazy. So I, I, I just, I, I really feel yeah. fortunate that I got to experience that and that I got to go and live that way for a while. So I did that every year. I would go back up until I was about 20 years old. I would go back and spend time there. And they slowly progressed and stuff. But it was just so. She was hard up for money. And she really desperately for work and for just for daily living. She needed um, a pair of contacts. Like her glasses were broken. She couldn't afford to get them repaired. She needed a pair of contacts. And at that time, I was working at Paradise Bakery. I think I was making like $6 an hour. And, and I asked her, I was like, well, how much are contacts? And she's like, I, they're, they're, they're so much, they're so expensive. They're, it's $20. And I was like, here, <laughs> like, buy yourself some contacts. <laughs> okay. It's one, yeah. it's one of those there things you where you're humbled, where you're just like, geez, yeah. here I am like pissed off. I still make six bucks an hour, but you know, she's struggling because she's making far less than that. A great experience, I think, overall. It's one of the things that I want to really, with my kid, you, you both have kids. So um, mm-hmm. one of the things I want to make sure of, and it's, it's a struggle. I talked about this. I'm like, you know, we're coming up in a different, in a different way. And my son's going to be raised in a different way than when I was. I was raised in a place where we, we had no money. We were, we were broke up until, up until my mom and my dad separated. Um, back when we were 15, we started finally coming up a little bit more around 16. But we had to, we had to work our way up. And my son is going to have a lot more privileges as a result of the hard work that I've been laying, the foundation that I've been laying. Um, and I I'm, I'm just want to make sure, I always want to make sure that he stays humble, that he stays grounded, that he understands that the best feeling in the world will always be when you work for something, when you earn Absolutely. something, you know, and something that's always on my mind. I'm a huge believer in international travel. I think that's something everyone should do a lot more of. I'm disappointed that I want to say the last time, I can't remember if the stat was only 20% of Americans travel internationally or if it was 20% of passports travel internationally. There's some crazy stat where the vast majority of Americans are not traveling internationally, especially and, if you exclude Mexico those, and, or Canada. Either one of those statistics is crazy. Yeah, it's, it. it's huge. So I've been, I, I haven't gone too far into Central America. I've gone to uh, Port of Penasco, which is Rocky Point. It's kind of like uh, 
a very touristy place, but I've been, I've been in Mexico several times and I've been to the Philippines several times. And yeah, I mean, I just exactly the experience that, that you're talking about, you know, this feeling of humility and just kind of really understanding the sort of opportunities that we have here in the United States that people all around the world do not have. I mean, I, I can't stress that enough. I totally agree with, with everything you said. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like I remember my second year in the business, one of my best friends who came into the business with me and he's, he's still in our office today. He's from Malaysia. And, um, so every year at that, at that time, he was going to see his family in Malaysia every year. And he'd spend like a couple of months there at a time. Like he would go for a long time. And so, you know, he, he invited me to go with him one time. Um, and we spent, you know, a little bit of time in Singapore. We got to fly through Hong Kong. We got to fly through Tokyo to kind of come in and out. And it was just, and I remember him asking me to go and he's like, uh, he's like, he's like, how long do you want to go? Two months, three months. I'm like, one month. Dude. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, but like, it, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's like, you, you see the culture and you see the differences, but you know, and it's also, it's always so cool to kind of see those experiences, but you kind of see how, how really good we have it here, you know? Amen. hundred percent. Hey, we need to figure out what Eric's eating before it's gone. Eric, show <laughs> <laughs> We need to tacos. see this. Eric. Yeah. Let's show the tacos. Yeah. All right. So um, I'm making my own little, my own little tacos, I guess. So basically I made like a fajita Ooh. mix, right? So you Ooh. have uh, chopped up bell peppers, red peppers, I love um, that. chicken, you know, so I dice up some chicken, added some onions, Put some, mix in some uh, medium salsa, mix it together, and then I went and uh, grilled up a couple of tortillas to eat along with it. So instead of using a fork, I like to use a tortilla as my fork and eat it like that. That's authentic, right there, Christian. Christian, there was a there's a bit of a some hype or conspiracy. I don't know what the right word is here around your <laughs> your meal today. Hyper conspiracy. <laughs> there's a conspiracy theory going on around your tacos today christian can you shed some light for us so we can yeah i mean this one I, out? as much as i didn't want to address this i kind of have no choice um <laughs> so i posted a picture earlier today of my tacos and the tacos we got for the office here um and these are what they look like and on the menu of the place we go to, it's just around the corner. <laughs> on the menu of the place we go to, they call them rolled tacos. It says it right there on the menu. I'm going to take a picture next time we go. And I'm going to post it for all you naysayers. <laughs> but so I, I post a picture of it. And I think I got 90% of the comments. They're like, those aren't tacos. Mm-hmm. And you just ruthlessly coming at me um but yeah that's what we got today and, um, you know what you know say what tacos on the menu tacos in my book it, we call them flautas flautas that's what we call those flautas have you, have you guys let me ask you and uh, on, guys internet am i the first uh am i the first latino that you guys have on the taco so. tuesday show i think pretty so. sure Pretty sure. I don't know. Tony Merwin. Tony, do you have any Latino? Had a lot of white <laughs> yes. Married to surprise a Latino, me. It wouldn't right? surprise me. Yeah, he is married to a Latino. Well, um, either way, I'm happy enough, to be here. Right? Hey, flautas are still flautas are hey, still uh, a Latin Latin item for sure. We eat go. them all the time. This is Glenn, did you show your tacos? I'm not I'm trying to do you see that? Quesadilla. It is the simplest 
not a taco if if we're gonna be freaking out about whether we're actually eating ta- i guess we have to actually eat tacos now i didn't think that was i thought mexican food was enough to be tacos yeah i guess it has to be tacos now but yeah, this is a show, che- right? yeah it's a cheese quesadilla you guys I guess, Please I guess direct your hate comments to the personal messages and keep them out of the comment feed. <laughs> you're getting the, instant messages. The death <laughs> threats. The death threats. Yeah. You're gonna get. You're gonna get canceled. You're gonna get canceled because you're not eating tacos. I'm on never tacos watching this show ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not drinking Mexican beer. <laughs> I don't That's know if that. True. There we go. So I know. I know Eric something was, to get mad about. Eric, Eric. Eric was a. I know Eric was a little worried about the controversy of him having his beer on the stream, and um, I told terrible. him that we're not a bunch of um, we're not a bunch of prudes here in Medicare agent. I think we're pretty pretty easy going with most things. I'm just. I mean, we, just have, we have cocktail, we have cocktail parties where people get some certain people that work in for companies in Texas get very very hammered on these and. <laughs> I wonder who that is. That's the, who I've could on, that be? I've been on one or two of those. Yeah, those are fun. <laughs> well, uh, to kind of transition into some uh, insurance-related conversation, for those of you listening. Probably a good idea. I would love to have Eric, yeah, before everyone turns this off. I would love to have Eric talk about his CRM because I've heard so many people talk about it. Um, being that I am in the lead space, I think a CRM is a lot of times the difference between an agent being successful and not being successful leads at the end of the day are a dime a dozen. If you don't work them and if you don't have a system in place to work them, you're probably going to fail. And a CRM can really kind of be that missing link between a lead converting into a sale and a lead that just costs you money. So Eric, yeah, I'd love to hear more about your CRM. Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate that. Um, So, yeah, so basically what happened is, you know, in my evolution of where I started, I started with first bringing out the training platform, the universities, I call it senior sales university. And so uh, as, as I was going through the content and as I kept adding to the content, I kept saying, you know, it'd be really cool if I could also somehow provide the tools to go along with this training so that I can make it more complete. And, and so I started kind of looking for an avenue to do that where I didn't want to build out my own CRM. I don't want to invest that kind of money. I didn't want to take away that kind of time from doing what I was doing. So I wanted to find a platform that I thought was going to be legit, that was uh, cutting edge, that was uh, th- that I think really would be a good fit for what I was doing. And then on top of that, I wanted to really niche it out for our market. And so that's where I came across high level. And um, and so going across, going through high level and all of its features and functionalities, I thought, man, this is a great base that I could start building on and then really start to figure out how to, how to basically build in the automations, make all that function work because automate from the automation standpoint, we already use that stuff in our call center, but we're using it through a different system. We're under contract with Salesforce. So we are having to, you know, use their system and kind of, uh, piece together, four different, different pieces of software to make, make it do what we needed to do. Whereas um, with high level, a lot of the stuff was already built. I love the fact that it was able to send out text messages, emails, ringless voicemails. You can build out uh, automated sequences for, for, for lead follow-up, for customer follow-up, for all that stuff. And I just needed to really figure out, okay, how do I do this in a way that I could replicate this for other agents, especially those who are in the university, so that I really reduce the learning curve 
So that was the biggest thing for me is that a lot of people, when they sign up for a CRM, they get overwhelmed. It's a lot of stuff, especially if you have mm-hmm. one that's pretty feature rich and benefits, you know, you've you sure. got a lot to go through and they're, they're probably looking at months to figure it out. I've had agents say I've spent months having to figure this stuff out to get to where I am. And even then I don't feel like I'm in the right place. So I wanted it to be like here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide you this same system and I'm going to actually have all the automations built out in there for you, have all the calendars built out, the pipelines, the, um, you know, the, the triggers, everything you need, right? I want it to be so turnkey that all you have to worry about is start driving leads into the system and then start seeing some results happen. That was the intention that I've had all along. And so that's what I started doing about, about a year ago is when I started doing all that. So ever since then, it continues to evolve where, again, my whole mindset is how do I make this again, very as close to turnkey as possible for agents right? so that they could just plug in, not worry about all the marketing stuff, but still be able to benefit from all the, the, the benefits that come with utilizing technology and market, especially in marketing. So I went a step ahead and I said, well, I want to help you guys also get to the next level in terms of uh, quickly getting a digital footprint. Cause that's another issue that a lot of agents have is figuring out how do I get a digital footprint with websites, with, with lead funnels, with um, advertising on Facebook. So even though I have a lot of I'm like, well, what if I can make it more turnkey for you because you have this system that you got set up through me. So that's when I went out and built a, a, a basically a full-on website for them that they could get in their site that has everything already plugged in. If they fill out forms, it's already plugged in, can go into automations, can do everything that we, you know, that we would dream of it to do. Right. It's already ready, ready to go. Right. So Basically, what it came down to is I just I, I was really fortunate that I get to work, uh, you know, with the, the CEO of high level. He's been real kind um, in, in really helping me out along the way so that I could um, so I could, I guess, do what I'm doing. Right. Because these guys, they they made an awesome platform, but I took it next level by adding all these features and customizations and t- additional tools that I've built into it so that agents could have as close to a turnkey system as possible. And, uh, and, and so if you've seen any of the, the people who have actually utilized this, the system, um, you've heard great reviews, right? And that's yeah. ultimately the best thing that I could do because, um, you know, I, I always say that I'm not that good at marketing myself because I'm so focused on trying to make the product better. Um, but it's really humbling when I see the agents who are part of the university doing that marketing for me, right? Someone says, yeah. hey, what's a good CRM? And then you start seeing my name pop up. And then they know it's high level too, but they're, they know that what I've done to it is what makes it unique and that they should work with me, not just go direct to company. And so learning, yeah, that learning curve can be killer. I mean, we talk to people about CRMs all the time and there seems like there's a million different CRMs out there. So I I definitely can't stress that enough. I mean, it, it sounds to me like you've really removed that learning curve and you, you, having a plug and play system like that is huge. And, and sales 101, you guys, sales 101, how many points of contact does it take before you can convert a lead or a prospect into a sale? It typically takes between six and 10 points of contact. You know, the, there's this misconception in the industry that I've been fighting from day one, that it's a one call close, or that if a lead is actually a lead, it should have the quality where I can just talk to them one time and close. And anyone who has any type of success under their belt, in my opinion, they typically have a system in place, just like what you described, 
which will allow you to do the five to 10 or six to 10 points of contact to maximize your, your closing rate. I mean, that's, yeah, that's awesome, man. I would love to take a closer look at it myself. I'd love yeah, to. For sure. I can yeah, give yeah. you, a, I can give you a tour of it. Um, you know, and, and again, I want to, I really want to stress that there is, it's beyond just with the campaigns. It's not just that I've added campaigns. I mean, there's a lot more to it. In fact, I, I always tell agents that when we're going to do a demo, um, prepare yourself. It's going to be normally an hour and a half. That's just that there's that much info that I go over of things that I've added to it um, to show you guys how to use it best. Plus I also have a lot of additional training on the CRM specifically. Um, and it's always getting better. That's the cool thing is that what I like about this platform and it's not to knock any other platforms that are out there that are Medicare specific or whatever. What, what I like about this platform is that these guys are, are making uh, changes and additions and tweaks to the system that so many different types of agencies are needing it for mortgage, real estate, uh, physicians, offices, uh, beauty parlors. Like it's such a big range of what they're, of who they're serving. And, and I love that because that's what the best marketers do. The best marketers don't just sit there and look at what other people in the Medicare industry are doing. They right. have to go outside of it to see what's working with other industries and see how is it that we can translate that into Medicare. And that's what I focus on doing. That's what I really love doing. So that's why I love this platform so much is because they're bringing stuff to me that I'm just like, oh, man, that's awesome. Now let me add on my tweak to make it even better and to also niche it out for what we do in the senior insurance game for Medicare, for final expense. I'm even starting to build out some automations for under 65, um, you know, and anything that that's related to the senior market will eventually, I want to have campaigns available that are turnkey for people. Plus there's always the ongoing training. So I can always teach agents like, Hey, if, if, once you, once you've seen how this works, let's, let's go and build out some more stuff that's custom to you so that, you know, so that you can basically put your flavor on it and, and instead of working and running that that's exactly what you want. Um, because my stuff is a great template, right? It works. You can run stuff through it. It'll work, but it's a good template. Ultimately, it's always good if you can throw your flavor into it to make it seem more like the, the kind of messages you would send when right. you're, when you're shooting out messages to people. I mean, I think, I think it's so you go, you both are so spot on in terms of the complexity of Oh, your average CRM. And there are 10 million CRMs out there. I would Literally, say like, it I would, it's like bunny rabbits. They double like every yeah. day. Like, <laughs> There's a new one every day. Yeah, like, I'm like, no, stop. Yeah. yeah. Like I would say the most asked question I get in my DMS from agents is number one, who's a good lead company to buy from number two, what's a good CRM. And number three, hey, I looked at XYZ CRM. What do you think about it? And I'm like, do you think I have time to look at every single CRM yeah, in detail? Same. Like, I don't know. You know, that's what I tell people. Like, this is what we use. I've heard great things about Eric's. Um, I've heard great things about this one, that one. But I just don't know at the end of the day. And um, I think it's really important, to Eric, that you take the time out there to kind of do in-depth demos like that with people because there is so much that goes into a great system like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, um, the best, it's always said the best CRM is the one you're going to actually That's use. Exactly. What I was going to say, because yes. I, I still, I'll, <laughs> even with everything I've done, I still have people cancel, but 99% of the time they cancel because they never got into using it. And they've even told me that they're just like, I haven't had time to wrap my mind around this, take a look at it, to actually get into it. So, but those who use it, 
and start seeing what it does and start seeing the features and seeing the benefits of how it's going to help them grow their business because of the efficiency, the automation, being able to reach more leads, being able to convert more sales. Um, it, it, that's, those are the people who are extremely happy, who keep saying great things and who keep promoting it themselves saying, if you want a CRM, like jump in this one, because you have all this stuff from a guy who's in the business, who's in the industry. And, uh, and really that's what I try to stress as well is that you have, you have me at the helm who is willing to definitely step out and help you guys with anything that you have, right? If it's a technical issue, if it's a, an idea, a marketing strategy, all that stuff, you know? Guys, let me, let me shift gears over to this because there's a question that I really wanted to ask both of you. And I wanted to get both of your perspectives on this. Glenn says all the time, and, and um, it's always so shocking to me when I hear this, but like <laughs> the, the high percentage of agents that don't call their leads. Yes. Right? Like they'll spend money on the lead. They won't pick, take the time to pick up the phone and call the lead. Eric, as somebody that runs a call center, that you, I'm sure you've worked with a ton of agents in your organization over the years, right? You, you know, I'm sure you've had agents come and go, agents that stay. Why do you, th- why do you think that is? I want to hear from Glenn first, and then I want to hear your perspective on that, Eric. Why, why do okay. you think that is? I think it's a, I, th- I don't think it, it's a complex issue. I don't think it's just one thing, but it's kind of similar. I think it's similar to what Eric said about people not using CRMs. <laughs> there are literally people out there who will buy leads And then they just don't get around to calling them. Um, You know, kind of Christian and I talked a little bit before this whole thing started about AAP. And, you know, sometimes people take off more than they can chew as well. So that's, that's kind of the other part of it. Right. And then another part of it too, is let's say Eric, you know, let's say he owns an agency and he has an agent that he's giving free leads to. And then that agent's not invested in those leads because he got them for free. And then maybe he only calls five out of 10 leads because he got a couple sales and he just doesn't really care. doesn't really work the leads. So I think, I think part of like, you really, I hate free leads. Like when I got into the industry, that was always the thing. I think it's still, I'm sure there's still plenty still of thing. Age. Yeah. I'm sure there's still, still thing. plenty it's, of it's as much of a thing today. Yeah, I think is right. ever. Free leads, come work with us. And I hate it because, and if I were to start an agency, I would, I would never do it. I would never give anyone a free lead, even though, even if I had leads coming out of my armpits, like it just, (laughs) it doesn't make sense. They're not, if you're not invested in the success of that lead, then you're not going to work it. And I've seen it time and time again. And yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, that's just kind of a few of the thoughts off the top of my head, but I would like to hear what Eric thinks and, and what his experience has been with that. Yeah, I mean, it's 100% one of the things that I shout out from the rooftops, and people may not like me for saying it, but I'm always very clear. First thing I always tell people is that you really need to be in charge of your tools. If you're an independent agent, remember this, you're, you're a business, right? And businesses don't go out asking for handouts for everything. They don't go saying, do you have free leads? Will you offer me free leads? Will you give me the CRM system? Will you give me every single thing I need to run a business and be a business, right? Businesses have to invest. And so I always tell people, first and foremost, be in charge of your own tools. Second, the idea that there's still so many people who aren't utilizing the CRM to to help them with lead nurturing for efficiency's sake. I mean, it baffled me because, you know, the study that everybody always refers to is actually, I think it's a a study that MIT, and so MIT basically said that 12% of people who are calling on leads only 12% will attempt making three contacts on the lead. 
Do you understand how much money you're wasting doing that? Especially when those same statistics say that you need to be reaching these people five to 12 times minimum before you're going to get a contact. And to think that people are giving up after two phone calls is insane because that's your money. So going to Glenn's point that if I'm the FMO who's providing you leads and statistically you're only going to call them twice and just, you know, ask for more, man, that's you're you're lighting cash on fire. The best thing you can do is find a way that helps you to more efficiently reach out to these leads, not only from a, from a manual call standpoint, but also from lead nurturing through automation. That, that is something that I've been passionate about for years. In fact, like last year at 8% Nation, that was one of the main topics I talked about from stage is I was talking about automation at that very same time, you know? And so that hasn't changed, you know? I still think that we're, be, we're being pretty slow to adapt to what this necessity is and and I think that if agents want if agents want to find that path, have to realize two things: that they need to stop hunting for the lead that converts on the first sale, okay? Because that's one of the things where everybody everybody wants to judge a lead based on can they convert it on that first sale, and that makes everybody look bad. All yep. lead vendors, all FMOs, <laughs> everybody looks bad in that yeah. metric, right? The agent so it's a, looks bad. Yeah, everyone looks it, bad. It's a ridiculous metric, metric yeah. because at the end of the day, it's, it is, there is going to be a balance where lead quality does need to be there, but at the same time, agent quality needs to be there. Are you properly trained? Have you been really trained in how to do sales techniques, how to speak over the phone, how to close, how to make that transition from presentation to close? You know, are, are you really trained well in doing that? And even if you are trained well, are you actually doing it? Because that's the other thing that you always have to ask. Let me hear your call. Let me see if you said what you needed to say, because yep. so many people, whether they want to admit it or not, they're still held back by fear. Yep. Even though they know exactly what to do, they're held back by fear because they have these preconceived notions they actually in fact they try to they try to map out the entire conversation with that lead before they even pick up the phone and when you do that you create this insane fear you mess with your own head so much so that you end up you end up getting paralyzed and you start looking for other things to do oh i probably could just go study something else for right now it's still helping me well it's not helping you improve your pocketbook though because at the end of the day you're going to have to eventually take that leap make those calls and if you have a great system that you can follow up with and make sure you're, um, you know, that's the really cool thing about the automations is that sometimes that can help kick off the conversation for you. So yeah. I'll see you by text and here you go. You're starting a conversation and trust me, more and more seniors now, they want to start the conversation by text or by email. They want to do it in a written format so that they feel less pressure, but it's beautiful for you because you can help to bring down the guard of that person who already has natural sales resistance, right? They build up that wall. And so you get to help bring that down just by having casual conversation, start providing some value and then lead to getting them on the phone. It works. It's working more and more every day and agents got to realize it. I totally, I totally agree with that and believe that the one study I wanted to mention really fast that I, I talk about all the time and maybe I've, I've mentioned this even before on taco Tuesday, I can't remember when I was at LeedsCon, and I think it was 2017, um, Velocify, which is a dialing platform that is insanely expensive that I've honestly never used, but uh, we use it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I've heard. I haven't heard great things about it, but <laughs> anyways, Velocify was like one of the main speakers this day that I'm I'm at LeedsCon, 
and they're talking about an independent study that they did on their dialing platform with 40,000 leads. They tracked 40,000 leads that came through their system. It wasn't just to one um, agency. And, and again, this isn't just insurance. This is across the board. Mm -hmm. But any, the, the point of the study is, is they tracked 40,000 leads that come through their dialer. They wanted to see how many times those leads got called. Um, and they, they had this bar graph. And I have a picture somewhere where, that I took of the bar graph that they showed but a third of the leads never got called. So that was the first thing they're showing is that literally a third of these leads never got called. And then it was about another third that only got called once. Uh, and so literally two thirds of the leads are either not called or only called once. And just like you said, Eric, I mean, it takes five to 10 contact attempts sometimes just to get them to answer the phone one time. So, I mean, and the figure they end up quoting at the end of this study is they're talking about the billions of dollars, billions of dollars wasted on marketing every year because, you know, companies will go out there like what we do. We find people who have some type of interest. We pass it along to the sales agent. And then, you know, as a sales agent, you just have to get, you just have to get a hold of them. You don't even have to sell them. Like <laughs> that's my mindset too. Like if I were to, if I'm looking at leads, if I'm trying to sell leads, it's not that I'm, it's almost like I'm trying to just filter out the people. Like, are you interested or are you not interested, right? Like, that's my mindset when I'm looking at it. It's not like I'm trying to close 10 out of 10 leads. It's like, okay, listen, you had some type of response here. Are you really interested? Oh, you are? Okay, well, let's talk about it. Or, okay, you're not? Well, thanks. I don't ever want to talk to you again then. Cool. Let's move <laughs> on. You know? So, but yeah, it's, it's I, I think it's insane. It's interesting. Like over, over the weekend, I did a sale on a mini course that I made called Prospecting Extravaganza. It's like a little 10 video course I made about how to prospect, how to keep your pipeline full. And in one video on there, I say, I go over that what, what, what our process is, is we want to touch a lead about 15 times from a multitude of different ways, right? We want to touch them through automation, through emails, text messaging. We want to call them a certain amount of times. And, we have all, and, I, and I go into a lot of detail on that. Well, I had a guy send me a message. He bought the course, went through the course. It's only 10 videos. It's not super long. He sends me a message and he's like, he's like, he's like, I think what you're not understanding is in the real world, people don't have time to touch a lead 15 times. I'm like, well, dude, I'm like, I'm like, Art, I'm like, we, I'm like, I, we do it all the time. We, we touch every lead 15 times. I'm like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you talking about? If this is your job, what do you mean you don't have time? Like, it's, yeah. like what else job. are you doing? Yeah. What else are you doing? I, yeah, I mean, that's ultimately, you know, and again, it's easier sometimes to make excuses than it is to put in the work. And anybody who comes to me and asks me about getting in the industry, I'm, I'm completely honest. I'll provide you all the training you need, the systems you need, everything you need. But if the work ethic isn't there, you're going to tank. And if you somehow think that because you're an independent agent that you get to kind of coast more, you make your own hours, you work when you want, like, I always tell people that this isn't, this isn't for everybody. Some people, you may still want to be an agent and you might, but you might need to be hooked up with a, with a call center or, or an agency where you're employed and they can feed you leads and they put you on a schedule. Cause some people do need that rigid discipline, right. From being employed. Absolutely. Um, but there's so many who probably shouldn't be independent that are because they, they haven't, they haven't disciplined themselves to the point where they know they got to work. One of the dangers that happened to me, you know, at, at, because of working, uh, you know, having to switch to work from home is that 
I, I put in even far more hours than I used to, you know, because I've, I've always been huge on keeping that, that work-life balance where my, my, my wife and my kid, they need the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is yes, I love helping agents, but I'm doing it to be a provider for my family. And if I'm not taking care of them, not only from a provider standpoint, but spending time, then I'm failing. And so I've noticed that ever since having to switch from being at home and working at home, I find myself working more because it's easier. It's so easy to just hop in my home office, get on another call, answer more questions, do more stuff, right? Um, but that's because I'm disciplined. I have that work ethic where I'm just like, I know that there's people that need help. I know that there's things I got to do. And so I'm going to keep moving forward. And if you don't have at least that kind of discipline, then you're going to struggle in the independent realm because there's no one who's going to check you otherwise. That's my take. Sorry, I ranted a little bit. No, there. no, no. Well, that reminds me of the, it's the LOA conversation that always comes up. And so many people shit all over people who have LOA agents where, and again, for anyone listening, if you don't know what an LOA agent is, you're essentially assigning your commissions to the agency or to your upline. And then that upline is paying you either, you know, uh, it's like a per deal, whatever the contract with that upline is. Maybe you're getting paid a salary. Maybe you're getting paid, you know, what, whatever, whatever the compensation structure is. But so many people love to talk poorly about LOAs because they feel like, oh, you're stealing money from that agent or, you know, oh, you could do so much better as an independent agent. But I, and I used, and I used to believe that I was one of those people. I used to believe that I used to think LOA was a scam and that, you know, free the agent, you know, whatever, whatever, <laughs> right? Like, well, free it. I don't, I don't know. Whatever. whatever uh, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn's going to start his own protest. <laughs> his own I protest. feel like we're getting, it's, it's like, we're getting politicized taco tuesday it's getting this, crazy. this is getting this is getting really heavy i gotta be honest with you guys it's getting heavy yeah. but no i i 115 percent agree that they're probably honestly maybe even the majority of agents need a structure like what eric's saying like they need a schedule they need they really need everything kind of being fed to them otherwise they will fail and that's not to say that down the road that that loa agent could go out on their own become an independent agent later and crush it. I've seen that happen many times, but I think especially when you're new, if you don't know what you're doing or, or ultimately if you don't have the work ethic at any point to go out on your own, I think uh, being under an agency or, or being an LOA agent can be a great thing for a lot of people. That's my yeah. take. And I, I think that um, you, you got to be honest with yourself. Gary V talks about that all the time where he's yes, like, you have to kind of, yes, yes take stock in yourself and be honest and say, I don't have the discipline and I probably should be in a position where I know I have to show up because I'm getting paid a salary and, and maybe it doesn't, it doesn't have to be long-term, but just long enough that you can create habits out of that discipline you're forced to do so that when you go off on your own, you continue that same discipline. So. hundred percent. I, I think, I think it comes down. I, I don't necessarily think it's all about even insurance agents. I think it has to do with just people, right? Like, if you look at any industry like ours, like, right, you could look at real estate agents, you could look at business owners in general, like a majority of them fail. A majority of them don't make it. It's just because I feel like you kind of have to be a, I feel like you have to be a special type of person, right? To like, look yourself in the mirror and tell the person in the mirror that, hey, I got to get up today. I got to make this many phone calls. I got to do X, Y, Z. I'm the person that I have to answer to and if I don't answer to anybody, there's not going to be anyone kicking me in the butt, maybe my spouse or something. But 
other than that, like, I, I don't think everybody can handle that. You know, I, I think it just has to do with, you know, not everybody's cut out to be a, a business owner or an entrepreneur. You know, some people need to be W2s, you know? Yeah. I like, it, I like the saying, um, work 80 hours to get paid 40 or whatever that saying is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately there is, there is a beauty where it, in having that freedom of being able to say, you know what, my kid has a soccer game, so I'm going to take an hour out so I can go to that soccer game without having to answer anybody. But then I got to come back and finish doing what I was doing, right? There's always that part where it's just like, you have to always realize that if you set tasks for the day, accomplish those tasks. And if you can't, then find time to do it. Like, obviously, you again, it goes back for me personally, I'm not single, right? If you're single, she's the sky's the limit. Like I, I could imagine the kind of damage I could do if I was single, you know, but, but, but I'm not, you know, I have a family and I'm not, I don't want to sacrifice my time with them because again, the material stuff, all the material stuff in the world is not going to make my wife happy if I'm not there, yep. you know, and the same thing with my kid. Like if, if my kid is being raised by video games, instead of spending time, quality time with his dad, like that's not, that's not what I ultimately want. So, you know, all that to say, I think that let's, let's kind of circle back. Um, so don't wolves. get married. I think don't get raised married. I think so, Eric, so don't, don't get married. No, no man. Don't I get love married, being married. I don't, love don't, being don't, married. So don't get don't married. Don't get married and be raised by wolves. <laughs> Babe, if you're watching this, I love being married. And that's not what I meant at all. I love, I this love This is a it. panel married guys you know to push back on you in terms of being married i mean i i don't know about you guys and i i'd be i'd love to hear your guys perspective on this since like we have a whole panel of people that are married on here i personally feel that because my wife was with me from the beginning you know she was my biggest encourager my support system when i wanted to quit she was the person telling me not to could could there be an argument made that being married makes you just tougher emotionally and helps you maybe be more successful? I think so. Well, it's funny to hear Eric say that because I've had that conversation with my buddies so many times who are married and they're, you know, other, like even outside the insurance world, like real real estate agents, for example. And it's like, man, and I think that's, I think once you realize how limited your time is and there's just, there's only so much time in a day to do whatever it is you want to do. Um, and I've had that conversation before where it's like, if I was single and I could work 16 hours a day, seven days a week, what I could accomplish in that time window, you just think, man, it would be insane. Like I, I could, I could do it all. Um, but the flip side of it, you know, like what you're saying, Christian, I, I think, I think part of it for me anyways, was you, you want, I mean, again, I, I wanted that independence I wanted to be able to take an hour out to do what I want to do. I wanted to do my own schedule. If I want to work at night for eight hours and then have my whole day free, I want to be able to do that. And, and I think, I think becoming an entrepreneur and, and wanting that independence of being an entrepreneur, of being a business owner, I think getting married and having kids pushed me more in that direction Whereas maybe if I was single, I would have just gotten like a high level sales job where I'm, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it's, it's hard to say what direction I would have gone, but I do feel like getting married kind of pushed me more in this direction than not, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, I definitely, for myself, I feel, um, I guess, a sense of duty. So by being married children, I have responsibilities, you know, 
my kid can't go out and make money. He's six years old. So he's not going to go and, you know, uh, create a living for himself. My wife, you know, my wife is very capable. She has a lot of skills, um, you know, but right now she's choosing to spend more time, especially since the pandemic and my kid can't go to a physical school. She's there to help him keep on track and stay with all that. Cause trust me, I, I see what's going on and it's a lot of work. You can't just stick a kid in front of a computer and think it's going to be hunky dory. Like, it's easy for them to get distracted. And so you need almost that second person who's watching and making sure they stay on task. So, um, you know, I think that for where we're at in life, this is what we want to be at. We want to be in a position where she has that choice where she doesn't need to work. And that, you know, and as a result, that's a responsibility that I need to come through on and make sure that we can continue to provide that. So it drives me, it absolutely drives me to want to keep growing, to want to keep doing better. So yeah, you can make that argument for sure. Not not to say that like you're wrong though, you know, cuz like it's interesting to think. Like I cuz I think about how much time I do spend like okay, I I had someone the other day talk to me. They've been listening to my podcast for 2 years. They're an agent. And they're like I don't know how you do everything you do. They're like I I I'm I'm perplexed. You know, they're like you you have a family, you have a kid, you run a business, you run a podcast, you run a Facebook group, you do that, you know. And I'm just like, I'm like, my, my, my superpower is time management, but I don't know if it would be if I didn't have a family, you know, cause I've yeah. had to figure that out, you know, like, I definitely think that's a skill, you know, you have to kind of figure that out because I mean, how many people do you, have we, have we seen in history that like, you know, they're loaded, like there's, they're as success, successful as you can possibly be, but their, their kids hate them. They're divorced like three times, you know, like none of us want to be that guy. Right. It's Donald what I fear. Trump. Yeah. It's what I fear. I don't want that. You know, who, again, is, who is Donald Trump for $500? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa. He wants to go there. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought this, I thought this, I thought this taco uh-huh. Tuesday couldn't get any more controversial. From free the <laughs> agent can, to don't free get the married. Agent. I need to coin that free the agent. Free the agent. <laughs> that, might, that might be my new my new term but elizio elizio goes free the agent don't get married (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah free the agent get a divorce you heard it here first (laughs) free the free the husband free the (laughs) free the the husband but you know i think i think one of the cool things that that i think the more and more like-minded people like us are starting to come together and we're starting to have conversations that are really important and we we're starting to really as big as this industry is, like, I think from, if I think right now in, in the U S there's, I think over 50,000 agents that have Medicare contracts. That's a lot of agents. And especially when you think about the size of our groups, they're nothing compared to the amount of agents out there who have yes. Medicare contracts, right? What are, what are they all doing? And you always wonder that. So you really they're have to not look at writing Medicare. That's what, uh, not- <laughs> that's what I'm telling you. Statistically, <laughs> statistically they're not doing what they're licensed to do that's yeah. oh, but, our, our our fmor was tells us that like the average agent will write about five maybe 10 apps a year yeah that's, that's like true. the average statistic and that's factoring in you know the eric fierros of the world and the justin brocks of the world that are like you know outliers writing a ton yeah. um so like the average person the average agent probably writes none if you think about it. Yeah, exactly. Contracted. And there's 44 million Medicare beneficiaries. So that's, if you do the math on this, let's, even if you call it a hundred thousand Medicare agents compared to the number of men, you're talking about like a, it's like almost a thousand to one 
There are so, and that's, and that's where having conversations like this, you have to have an abundancy mindset. Like there's just because Eric's going to write, you know, 20,000 apps over the next couple of years, that doesn't mean the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Or or over the next week with his system. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know how, how efficient he is, but that doesn't mean that there's still not 20,000 or more for you to write too. Like there is an insane amount of opportunity. And here's a question I have for Eric and you're welcome to answer as well. Christian is this, this has come up several on the insurance. I don't know if other of you guys have been on the insurance forms, insuranceforms.com. Like forums, the forums. Yeah. This was still, those still, they're still, they still exist. They're not nearly as popular as they once were. That's the Facebook groups. Those still exist. Well, exactly. Facebook kind of took (laughs) over, but um, I, I was actually on the forums not too long ago. I like to keep up with those guys and uh, this con this this thread pops up and it, and there's kind of this dichotomy where a lot of people think that there's a saturation coming in the medicare market and i just don't believe it i don't believe that we're saturated i don't know if we'll ever be saturated at this rate with the no. number of seniors coming into the marketplace i, I don't think we're keeping up I, I don't even know how we're gonna how do we even service all these medicare beneficiaries i, I don't i don't i don't see it coming yeah there i mean there's because they, they're, what they're not accounting for is how many existing Medicare agents are already close to retirement age. The majority of Medicare agents today are actually probably in their 50s, 60s. Um, and so a lot of them are going to start looking towards retirement if they built a block of business and they're ready to either sell off that block or, or have some kind of arrangement. Maybe they just let it, let it ride out to the sunset. Um, I still think that the other big factor that people don't consider is that even in the call center space, because I know that that's one of the things they look at as one of the reasons it might get saturated is because there's a lot of call centers that are up and coming the call centers still have a ridiculous amount of turnover, you know, because they're not the same. They're not the same mentality as who goes working for a call center is normally not going to have the same mentality of somebody who's independent. You know, again, we go back to the talk about having that same drive determination. And, and, and a lot of them are still like, Hey, we're trying to figure out if this is even what we want to do for our career. Cause most, most call center agents are going to be young people coming out of college and stuff. And they're going to be like, I don't think I want to do this. I'd rather learn how to do something else. I want to maybe go be a a software engineer. I don't know, but there's high turnover in all call centers, all of them, right? Including ourselves. There's always, there's high turnover in call centers. That's just a natural name of the game. No matter what agents do or no no matter what companies do, they're still going to have that battle as they're growing. So I always think, and I still think we absolutely have an abundance of people to talk to. We are definitely understaffed for the tsunami that is already here the silver tsunami. And we really just got to keep that mindset of abundance. Like, don't worry about if you have a competitor, don't worry about if somebody, the next County over is also marketing in the same area. Like, don't worry about whether they're going to write more business than you. The only thing you need to focus on is putting yourself out of business. Every you need to be making efforts to do better every day so that you're your only competition. And don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Like yes. if I worried about what everybody else is doing, I'd go nuts. Yep. You know, hundred percent. I just don't, I can't, there's too much stuff that I got to focus on. And, and here's the other thing I always give agents advice and say, stop, stop comparing yourself to other people. Like stop comparing where you're at to somebody who's been in this business for much longer, where you're at to somebody who's in a completely different situation from where you're at. Like, I just, you know, I think that that's the, the, the worst thing you could do to yourself, it's one thing to look at somebody and aspire, but it's another thing to compare and say, man, 
I'm just not writing enough and I'm just not, I'm not getting there. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, why is he able to write so much business? And I'm not, you need to figure out your own metrics. You need to figure out what is it that you got to make every single week? What is it that you got to write so that you can achieve that goal? Reverse engineer it. And that's what you need to focus on. The rest will take care of itself. I promise you it will. 100%. Christian, what do you think? Tell me about, tell me about the saturation. What's happening? What's coming? Well, I, I agree with everything you said, Eric. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. My personal opinion is I think it's nonsense. I think it's an excuse that people make onto why they're not doing well in their career. And it might not even be their fault as to maybe why they're not doing well in their career. I mean, maybe they didn't have the mentorship. Maybe they didn't have the training. Maybe they, you know, it could be a multitude of different reasons, but um, you know, I talk to people all over the country. Like I've talked to people in probably, I, I'm just guessing, but maybe 25 different States this year specifically that I've had a private conversation with that are new in the business. And they've said, my market is saturated. I'm like, well, all, all these markets can't be saturated. You know, I'm like, it, it's just, it doesn't sell work. over the phone, sell over the phone. There's the easy yeah, answer. Yeah. yeah. If your local market sucks, then get licensed in a different state and sell over the phone. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like I, I talked to someone um, recently that was here in Utah, they probably lived within 30 minutes of my office. And they were like, I just don't feel like I can um, get in, bust into the Utah market and be successful. He's been in about a year. He hadn't done very well. Um, but he's a great guy and he, you know, he, he, he has potential to, to get to where he wants to go. And, um, he told me, I don't feel like I can really get going here in this market because it's saturated. I'm like, I'm like our market is not saturated. I'm like, you are insane. If you think that I don't think any market is saturated. If you think about how many agents there are compared to how many beneficiaries there are, we call right? that a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes. Yeah, if, exactly. if, you, if you think, if you think you can right, or you, you can, if you think you can't, you're right. And either way, you're right. Right. Yep. Um, I, then, and that's just my opinion on it. I just, I think that they're like, I think you hit it right on the head, Glenn. There are so many ben Medicare beneficiaries in comparison to agents. Like it's, it's insane. And I think there's enough business out there for all of us and we can yeah. all be very successful and we can all make a very good living and we can, and we still probably wouldn't have helped them all. Nope. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. And also to Eric's point too, is the average insurance agent is 55 years old. And so again, if in 10 years from now, when we balloon up to 80 million beneficiaries, which is about, I think, statistically what it is, it's like 79 or 80 million. It doesn't mean it's going to stop. It's going to slow down at that point. But now these insurance agents that are 55 are, you know, hitting retirement age. And potentially that disparity that already exists could be even bigger. I mean, I don't, I don't know too many, you know, aspiring teenagers aspiring to be insurance agents when they grow up, you know, like I'm going to be a Medicare agent one day, dad, like, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just not at the forefront of these kids' minds. Maybe that's, maybe there needs to be some type of uh, campaign for insurance agents uh, among college, you know, young high school age and college age kids. Maybe that's something that's missing right now. I was, you know, and I, and I, I got to admit that I fell off doing TikToks, right? Because I was, I was about to, I was going to really try to focus on the TikTok side because, because that's the ultimate. You could have saved I tried us, Eric. I tried to do, I tried to, I tried to, I tried to make it sexy, right? I tried to yes. bring sexy back to Medicare. Yeah. I'm going to get back on that train. Today. Yes. That hair we need today. it, man. It's gorgeous. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. 
Yeah, it I'm make, wearing a it hat. Make, it makes me hat. upset that I don't have any. You know? <laughs> Moments like this. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunity ultimately. Here's a here's the one thing I would suggest to agents too. Yeah. Is that a lot of them will make an excuse that they just they don't they have they don't have the training. Nobody's really taught them. Nobody's done this. Nobody's done that. Um, I think at this point there are far too many resources where you can go learn online. And and really maybe it's not their style. Maybe it's not the most ideal thing for them. It's still something that you can do and still become a. I mean, Christian, you have a course. I have a course. Justin has a course. Uh, other places course. have courses. I have a course. Yeah, everybody a has a course. Like, yeah, exactly. So there's there's tons of knowledge out there for for a low investment, and if you actually pay attention and follow the steps, like you can do it. You can be successful. I mean, look at you guys recognize that award. Yes, have you seen that? The Click Funnel Two Comma yes, Club two Award. Comma. Right. It's big, big. Team. I I went I went and got a course from Dan Henry back when he was you know when he first brought out his course on how to do Facebook ads. And it was not pertaining to Medicare or anything like that on how to run Facebook ads. And I looked at it, I went through it and I said, okay, now I got to start designing my ad copy. I got to start designing what I would do to target Medicare people. And then I started doing it. Right. I learned that from an online course. I didn't have to have someone sit next to me and walk me through things side by side. And a lot of the courses that people offer that we offer have such a wealth of information that is probably even better than what it would be if you were face-to-face. The, the reality is you True. just prefer face-to-face. It's just something that you, you have a preference for. doesn't mean it's more quality. It doesn't mean it's better because you can still find all the knowledge that that face-to-face person is teaching you. Like you can still find that online, you know? In fact, I even, and I have several recordings. I have over 20 hours of sales recordings in my course where they can go and listen from start to finish what sales calls sound like. And then I have six of those or six additional ones that are me making the calls and making sales in different scenarios with basically me recording the screen. So it's essentially an over the shoulder. I just think that, again, I don't want agents to make that an excuse as to why they can't succeed. Because at this point in time in our history, there's far too much knowledge available to you at the touch of your fingers for you to use as an excuse because you don't have somebody local who can take you out on a car ride and show you how to do an appointment. <laughs> yes. And for to, for explanation behind that award, you guys, the Two Comma Club, uh, there's a software called ClickFunnels, which is a landing page designing software, uh, a little company out of Idaho by Russell Brunson. I'm a huge fan say, of. Little company. Yeah. Well, <laughs> getting bigger not anymore. anymore. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's they're, they're probably worth a billion, more than a billion dollars now. But um, basically what that means for him to qualify for this award, it means more than a million dollars in transactions went through your landing pages that you designed, right, Eric? Yeah. Through yeah. one funnel because yeah. those are awards. They have to be for a singular funnel. So it couldn't be, you can't add together multiple. That's okay. Yeah. So funnel. it's one landing page. And I want to say last time I looked into it and, and click funnels, I think has tens of thousands of users, maybe even more than a hundred thousand users. And I, I think it's less than one percent of their users that have actually qualified for the two comma club award maybe you know the exact stats eric i don't i'm just happy i got one yeah <laughs> I'm just happy to be in the club. i don't care what other people are doing i'm just happy i got one <laughs> well guys it. um we're getting right up close to about an hour here so I think we yeah. should probably close. Well, hang on, hang on. I want to, I guess my final question for, because we've been asking yeah. everyone about this is AEP this year. You know, I, I oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we, this we is your question, Christian. 
You're right. You're right. Final AEP. question. All right. So AEP. Eric, let's talk about AEP for a second before we jump off here. Um, what, uh, what we've been asking everybody the last couple of weeks is if you had to t- give some advice to a new agent, right? That maybe this is their first AEP. What would you give them advice on how to attack it? Maybe they've been in the business two months, right? They just got through their certs. Um, they have written maybe two or three, four or five apps. What would you tell them to do to have their best AEP they could have? So first, first and foremost, you have to make sure your mindset is right. Cause all the other advice I'm about to give you will mean shit if you don't have your mindset, right? So your mindset has to be that of an abundance. Your mindset has to be that of being on the attack. You have to be ready every single day to reap the rewards of hard work and effort as long as you put in that hard work and effort, because this, this AEP, this is when all is right. Normally the majority of their business, it comes out of this next, how many days is it? 60 days, less than 60 days. I think it's less. Yeah. So, so this is where it's all happening. This is like, this is our, this is our time to shine. So you have to know that you're going to sacrifice some time during this period, because this is where you really have an opportunity. This is when seniors will be receptive to hearing from you because programmed through tons of television print advertising, that this is the time where you're going to make decision. Even if they have meds ups, you have no clue how much meds up business we write during this time because they're just thinking this is the time. So knowing that if your mindset's prepared and knowing how receptive they're going to be, then the best thing you got to do is you got to make sure you're always keeping busy. You have to have activity, activity, activity. So you have to look at your budget. First, you got to figure out, all right, do I need, you know, do I have a budget where I can have A leads and B leads? I would always have a mix, right? Because especially when you're starting out, um, you may not have a very large budget in the first place. So I would, I would be, I would basically look at my budget, break it up. So, so I could buy some A leads from Glenn and then also buy a batch of B leads to help fill up that pipeline so that I can have constant activity, making phone calls, because the name of the game is activity, activity, activity. It is what we preach from the rooftops in our call centers. It's what I preach to any agent who asks me. I always tell them activity, activity, activity. Don't sit back and think that just because you have a CRM that does automations, that somehow the sales will fall in your lap. <laughs> won't. But what's going to happen is during this time, there's going to be lots and you are. So if you're not the one who's being active, making your outbound phone calls, creating this activity for you on your basis, you're going to lose. Now, again, maybe you don't have as high of a a lofty as a goal as most people might, but at the end of the day, you just got to know that during AEP, this is the time to shine. This is where you don't study anymore. No more going through courses and trying to become as knowledgeable as possible. This is the time where you actually have to take action. You have to make calls, whether you feel prepared or not. I always tell agents that you'll never truly actually feel prepared until you're actually doing it. Once you start making those phone calls, once you start uh, messing up your, your little spiel uh, every now and then, once you start getting these questions you may not have answers to, it's okay. It's completely okay. This is where a lot more learning happens than you think, and, and you shouldn't be afraid of that. It was one of the biggest things that held me back when I first got in the industry is that I was wanting to be the know-it-all. I didn't want to start making outbound calls until I felt that nobody could trip me up with the question. And it hindered my progress for the first year in the business. It hindered my progress. And it got to the point where I finally just told my friend, I was just like, Hey, he actually asked me, he's like, dude, do you want to be in this business? And I was just like, dude, yeah, I do. 
He's like, well, you need to create more activity. You need to be making these calls. And I told him, I'm just afraid of sounding stupid. I'm afraid of sounding stupid. I'm afraid of embarrassing the company. I'm afraid of embarrassing myself. And the best words he could ever tell me, he said, Eric, you got to just not give a fuck. And that just sunk in. Drop. And I said, all right. So I was like, then moving forward. And ever since then, the key is to pick up the phone, is to dial and clear your mind. Clear your mind. Don't try to have the conversation ahead of time. Don't try to you know, think about the objections and rebuttals that could happen. Just clear your mind and be responsive. And the best way you could do that is what I like to do is like after I hit click to call, you know, if I have a little putt-putt set up in my office, I'll just put some balls. Something to keep my mind off it so that if I already have my yep. intro memorized, as soon as they answer the phone, I could jump into my intro and I can get going. Yep. So that's my biggest advice, man, is that you got to have no fear. You got to have the right mindset and you need to make sure you're always active. This is the time. So buy up A leads, buy up B leads, do whatever you can within your budget. But whatever it is, make sure you are active and don't use fear as an excuse to to hinder you from the goals you have this year that so last week after we had gotten off our taco tuesday call i was talking to christian about this call reluctance that so many agents have and christian was saying (laughs) i'm taking the words out of your mouth but he goes he's like you want to know what i feel glenn when i pick up that phone he's like i feel nothing (laughs) i don't feel anything i am numb and i was like yeah i get like I'm the same way too. Like if I have to talk to someone, like, I don't care. I don't care how the conversation is going to go. I mean, do you know how many times like people would threaten to sue me or scream at me? Like, why you want to sell me life insurance? F you. <laughs> F you. <laughs> and like, who cares? Like, you're on to the next one. You know who? It's it, part of the game. You can't yeah. avoid it as much as you want to. You cannot avoid jerks who are going to say mean things to you. And, and again, if you, I always tell people that, if you can allow them to make you feel sad, complete strangers to make you feel sad because they said, F you, I don't want to talk to you. Stop calling me. You're a jerk. You, whatever. If you allow them to hurt your feelings, you allow them to control you. If they control your feelings, they control you. I think Warren Buffett's the one who says that, right? He says, if you allow people to control your feelings, you allow them to control you. Yeah, I totally believe That's that. huge. You have to be in control. You're the agent. You're in control. You're the advisor. Yep. 100%. And, and the kind of my final thoughts here in regards to AP this year, and I think Eric actually said it really well. Um, and again, this kind of goes back to the abundancy mindset. Uh, you know, there's companies like eHealth, you know, who are going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising. And I remember as a new agent at the time thinking, how can I even begin to compete with these massive companies that are going to be spending hundreds of millions of dollars on advertising? But the reality is it's actually totally to your advantage that they're doing it because they can't mm-hmm. possibly collect all of the people that they're that are seeing their ads, whether it's TV, radio. I mean, it is insane how much it's billions of dollars that gets dumped into open enrollment specifically for Medicare at the end of the year. And this is something that you can leverage to your advantage because seniors are wanting to talk about their Medicare plans more than ever. And even people who could switch year round like MedSups, like Eric's saying, it's, it cracks me up how many times people will say that. 
you know, seniors and agents. I also will hear it from agents who are like, a med sub can only switch during open enrollment. I'm like, wrong. <laughs> Talk to your upline. You are absolutely wow. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but again, this is totally to your advantage. These people are wanting to do business more than ever. So any marketing dollars that you do spend actually go way further than if you're marketing in February, March, or April, you know, outside AEP. Yeah, well, um, I, 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 I agree with both of your guys' sentiments. I would say my final thoughts, if I was going to add any, would be, um, yeah, absolutely. Would I, be the would would be this. Um, I really like what you said, Eric, about you know trying to be too over prepared. I, I think it was Justin that said this. I saw him say this on a video at one point, and I, I, I think he's spot on. He's like, we don't. He's like, I don't even use a script. He's like, I just get on the phone and I talk to people. He's like, and I don't always say the same thing. And I'm just trying to be nice, polite and have a conversation with them. And I'm just going to understand that, you know, I know more than they do. I don't have to know everything, but I know more than they do. And I think that's a great way to approach it. Like, I mean, scripts are probably a good thing if you just are brand spanking new and you know absolutely nothing. But if you have even a little bit of experience, sometimes it's not a bad idea to just jump on the phone yep. and just try to be real and try to be authentic. Yeah. Well, and, and there's some good scripts out there. They can help you to, yeah. to do that, to be actually build how to build the rapport, to ask the right questions, to share the way you should. Um, I always say that re- relatability is what equals trust. So it's more than just rapport building. It's creating relatability. They got to feel like, man, Eric's just like me. He has the same you know, hobbies, the same ideas, the same interests, you know? And so because of that, I think I want to trust him a little bit more now to go into having this conversation. So I, I, like, I know with us, we're pretty stickler about scripts, you know, in our call mm-hmm. centers, because the thing about scripts is it helps you to, um, you know, if, if an agent's feeling like, man, I, I don't know, I should, I feel like I should have closed that one, but I don't know what happened. Well, with scripts, when you have a repeatable process, you can go back and see where you went wrong. You can go and see, okay, well, this is maybe you shouldn't have been saying this right here. Instead, you should have kind of stuck to the script more. Um, you know, and I, and I, I'm all for it. I think that, you know, what, it all depends on levels of experience because, once you get to the level where you've been doing this for years, I mean, yeah, you can have the conversation without a script and know how to guide it because it's, it's natural at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But even, even, I would even suggest it to big guys. I'm just like, Hey man, if you feel like, if you feel like you've been doing well and all of a sudden you're off your game and you're just like, what's figuring it out, then, you know, maybe kind of go back to a script or at least if it's not a word for words, bullet point script to just keep you going on the right path and guiding them the right way. Right. So I'm a believer right. in both ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to demonize scripts or anything. It's just, just a thought, you know, for like people, for, for people that are like, script, you you're also the guy who demonized the LOAs, isn't it? That's what yeah, it is. It is Christian. Right. Yeah. Same I didn't guy. want to say okay. it. I, I, I at one, it. at one point I did. At one point I did. Um, I, but I've changed. Last I've, week, I've, I've, I've seen point? the light I've last week, <laughs> last week at one point. Christian? Last week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so a new so, man, he went to church, he went to church on Sunday and now it's all new. Everything's new, I guess. <laughs> out of the, out of this, out of this, um, out of this interview is going to come, um, LOAs are the devil, um, divorce, free divorce, the agent, good. free the agent. Yeah. Get don't get married. Don't, have don't get married. Get yeah. divorced. Get divorced. And scripts suck. And, and scripts yeah. suck. And yeah. Scripts like suck. just throw it in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. And That's I made fajita tacos for this. Yes, you did. <laughs> all right, guys. Hey, no such thing as bad publicity, right? <laughs> it's all good. 
Well, it's a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for having no, me. Thanks on. for thanks coming for on, being on. It, yeah, this, it was this, this was one of the best Taco Tuesdays we've ever had. So it was yeah. a lot of fun. So Fantastic. thank you for being on. And um, and everybody that's watching, make sure not to miss next week. We're gonna have the the charismatic Ali Salah on. So I'm really excited Woo! about that one. Ali, um, Ali. Until next week, guys. Take All care. Right.